Good morning. Welcome to our daily podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity, and it is so good to be with you on this Friday. I'm going to read a passage from Acts 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. It's kind of a long passage, but the coming of the Holy Spirit, I guess, deserves some airtime. And this will be following on thematically from what I was sharing in the daily podcast on Wednesday. So I'm really excited to see how these two things are coming together. Let's read, then we'll pray, then we'll jump in. Verse 1, Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Fierga and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for Acts 2. Thank you for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Help us to see what we should see here. God, I I pray that we would would receive important truth from you even as we read a text written 2,000 years ago. Help us, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So on Wednesday, I I spoke to you about uh, the disciples, Jesus telling the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Spirit. Well, today... We're going we're gonna to pick up right there and then move right on through how the Holy Spirit comes and what the Holy Spirit does. So we're just going to note a few things here that are probably worthy of our consideration as we seek to live our lives empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is what I said on Wednesday. Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And it must be said that waiting is really hard work. He, he told them to wait for help, wait for the promise, wait for the, the, the help of God, the power of God. And this has got me to thinking, uh, if you're anything like me, we often try to live our lives in our own strength until we can't. And then when we can't live our lives and be successful in our own strength, we usually panic, feel sorry for ourselves, try to double down, and then we feel tempted to give up. Jesus said, you don't have what it takes, so wait because God's going to give you what it takes. This requires you 
to acknowledge your need for help. It also requires us to slow down. It is very difficult to receive anything good when we're in a hurry, when we're distracted. We have to learn how to wait. We have to learn how to admit our weakness, put our phone away, admit our finitude, and wait for God's help, wait for him to come close to us. And I said to you on Wednesday, I think it's good for you and me to practice waiting. Practice just being still. We got to wait. Jesus told the disciples to wait. Number two, he also told the disciples to wait with one another. He said, wait together. Don't wait in isolation. We need one another to help us sit still and learn how to wait. And so the disciples were told not to leave Jerusalem. They were told to wait together. It's so important, y'all that we maintain a connection to other believers who also know that they have to wait, who also know they don't have what it takes. Even in a season of pandemic, maybe now more than ever, we got to find how to maintain connection to people who will wait with us. We encouraged you at church on Sunday to begin looking for a small social cohort, to watch church, to do church together, to grow together. You know, we can still follow social distancing rules and be sensible and use common sense and be connected to each other. The disciples had to wait together. And when we don't wait, when we rush off, when we get on our own and take matters into our own hands, we end up with messes. If you've ever heard of the child Ishmael in the Old Testament, he was a child born when an old man received a promise that he would have a baby, but he decided to take matters into his own hands. And he ended up having a poor substitute for Isaac, the child he was meant to have all along. God wants you and me to learn how to wait. There's a book called An Unhurried Life written by a man named Alan Fadling. He actually uh, attends one of our um, churches in our diocese in C4SO. So Alan is a, a, a friend. He's a, in a church um, that, that works and walks alongside Trinity in our Anglican diocese, Churches for the Sake of Others. Well, he wrote a book called An Unhurried Life, and it is amazing. He explores the temptation of hurry, invites us to slow down. I would encourage you to pick up Fadling's book, An Unhurried Life. It is so good. Listen to this, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. How much anxious toil are you consuming? How much are you eating? How much of that table of anxiety do we just spend our days and our nights feeding from that table when i'm left alone i'm more likely to eat the bread of anxious toil when i'm with someone else who will encourage me and challenge me who will keep me connected i'm less likely to eat that bread of anxiety i think that's true for all of us we're meant to wait together the third thing that jesus wants us to see in this passage is that the holy spirit awakens life in us as believers, the imagery of wind and fire. See, the Holy Spirit is not said to be wind and fire. The Holy Spirit is like wind and fire, engages the human sense of seeing and hearing and feeling. See, wind in the text is reminiscent of the breath of God in Ezekiel 37 being breathed into and over those dry bones. You know that story. Dead things brought back to life by the wind of God, the wind of the Spirit. Fire in this passage is reminiscent of the burning bush in Exodus 3. 
where Moses, the guy who had disqualified himself, he had taken matters into his own hands. He'd been disqualified. He was not going to make it as a deliverer. Well, he's reinstated in Exodus 3. The Holy Spirit in a burning bush purifies and cleanses and brings him back to life. Wind and fire speak to renewal, the opportunity to be brought back from the edge, from disqualification. Y'all, the Holy Spirit wants to re-energize you so that you can re-engage life. You may be sitting, listening to what I'm saying today, feeling like the last months have just knocked the life right out of you. Well, if that's the way you feel, you're not alone, but it's not over. God alone, through the work of the Holy Spirit, can give us the energy to get back into things after we've been knocked off our mark. If you feel this way today, if you feel like you've been knocked off your mark, the Holy Spirit's job is to fill your life with life to get you moving in the right direction. That's what happened to the disciples. They were hidden and huddled and afraid, and the spirit of wind and fire breathed on them and brought them back to life. But it doesn't just end there. If it did, then the work of the Spirit would be pure uh, personal piety, right? It would just make us feel awesome. But what we see in Acts 2 is that the Holy Spirit moves the Christians outward and enables them to speak in the, the language, the heart language of the people around them. See, in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon these friends, they turn outward toward other people. The work of the Holy Spirit should always result in some form of outward turning, the Holy Spirit moves us toward an increased connection with other people. The Holy Spirit moves us out of huddled homogeny, out of uh, isolation, born of fear, and says, I want you to turn outward and connect. Now, here's a, a little known fact. Well, actually, lots of people know this, but you, you may not if you've not been nerdy like me reading commentaries about the Bible. Um, almost everyone in Jerusalem during the Feast of Pentecost that happened during Acts 2, so there would have been people from all over the kingdom there, and, and yet almost every one of them would have spoken one of two languages, either uh, Hebrew or Greek. So it would have been sufficient, therefore, if these friends of Jesus had just declared God's mysteries in one of those two languages. But the Holy Spirit opens the mouths of the disciples to speak in the childhood language of these visitors to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit actually enables Christians to connect on a deeper heart level than would have otherwise even been possible. It would have been enough if they had just shouted out the window something about the kindness of God in Hebrew or Greek. People from uh, Cappadocia and Mesopotamia would have understood one of those things. But God gave these unlearned men access to the childhood languages of those visitors from Pamphylia and Fierga, Cappadocia, residents of Mesopotamia. See, they were speaking the language those guys and gals would have known when they were children. And if you've ever learned a second language, you know that you pick up on the nuance so much more in your mother tongue than you do in learned tongues. The Holy Spirit wants to help you Connect with the people around you in the mother tongue of their soul in ways that are personal and powerfully present to them. That's the Holy Spirit. And I will just say, as I think about Christians today, I think we don't do that very well because we lack the power of the Holy Spirit. I think we say things that people can sort of cognitively reason through and understand, but we don't get at their guts. It's the Holy Spirit that helps you make a gut connection. And we need him. We need the Spirit for that. And finally, the Holy Spirit invites everyone to participate. 
And I love the way the passage ends. They're accused of being drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. They're having an emotional experience. They're, they're being pulled from sideline into the game. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you will experience more emotion maybe than you would in other seasons of your life. One of the things I've learned about the Holy Spirit is that when I'm connected to the Spirit, I often experience an awakening of my emotions. I laugh more. I cry more. I feel more alive. And I think you ought to look for this. As you ask the Spirit to work in your life, you should ask for and look for an increase in your emotional expression. Here's what I love about the passage that Peter references from the prophet Joel. Everyone gets to play, men and women, young people and old people, disadvantaged people, oppressed people, every one of us has access to the work of the Spirit. No one is left out. So I believe today, going into the weekend, it would be good for us all to invite the Holy Spirit to work in us and to include us in his redemptive work. I believe God wants to get moving in your life in new ways, but it's time for us to learn how to wait, to wait together, and to ask for the Spirit to come. Pray with expectation. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.